Good afternoon, I'm Jordan Peoples in Marvel Sucks. I'm Cade Weiberg and no it doesn't. Let's hit it with that Christmas theme. Oh, interesting. That was very quick. I <laughs> no, sorry, do you want me to bring it up 90 minutes in like we usually do? Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We no, no, are... here we go. Oh, no, no, geez. I'm not going to do it actually. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Marvel Sucks. No, it doesn't. <laughs> That delay oh, is so you're, long. You're right, you're right, you're right. Let's do it again. Marvel sucks. No, it doesn't. Hawkeye laid an egg. Thanos snapped. The Avengers went back in time. Now Tony's dead. Hey. Kind of close. We're back. We're, we'll see what we can do with that in post. <laughs> we are here. The, the dynamic duo are joined by a trio for the first annual Iron Man 3 Christmas special. And we decided we wanted no one other than my best friend since first grade, Mr. Alexander Kerr-Roar. Alex, how are you doing tonight, buddy? Great. I, I really love the full full uh, three-part name announcement. Um, <laughs> I want people to be able to Google that with all of the details needed, like the middle name. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you just have such a grand name. I've always thought that. Very oh, royal. I, I appreciate it. And yeah, you know, eagle-eared listeners will remember me from episode 33, Trivial Pursuit 3. Oh yeah, yes, I forgot about that. When uh, you beat, you bested me in Trivial Pursuit. I did, and and it's no coincidence that we've returned from episode 33. Episode 81. Trivial Pursuit 3 for Iron oh, Man Oh, okay, alright, I see where your, your connection, I like that. Kate, uh, would you say that that episode was your greatest shame on the podcast? Um, definitely. No question. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because this show is just me achieving things left and right, like getting you mm-hmm. to, like, Iron Man 1, getting you to, like, Endgame, and thinking that the ending of Endgame is better than the ending of Mad Men, uh, getting you to is, watch... Is that, in fact, on the record? That, that is, is canon. That but is canon. Not- the Marvel saga isn't better than Mad Men. It's just the We're, ending of Mad Men wasn't that good. That's the next hill I'm going to get him to climb over. And, and I'll, have, I'll have to wait for us to have the Mad Men finale <laughs> episode, uh, you know, maybe on the 10-year anniversary of the episode. Where I defend it against uh, the ending of Endgame, but that hey, we're we're here to hear all your thoughts about Marvel today, Alex, and also celebrate Christmas. It's three days to the day as of recording this. It is Christmas Eve, Eve, and uh, we Eve. are. Eve, 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 Triple Eve, Two Eves, Eve cubed, or yes. Eve, Eve, Eve. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> look at us talking about made-up holiday pre-holidays. Uh, Jordan, <laughs> yes, we are here to talk about. I invited Alex onto the show because uh, I've had this idea for a while just to do a Christmas episode, and then mm-hmm. Kevin Feige earlier this year, or maybe it was late last year declared that Iron Man 3 was, in fact, a Christmas movie. So I was like, let's do an Iron Man 3 Christmas special. And right after I had that idea, about a month later, I was talking to Alex, and he casually mentioned that this is his favorite MCU film of all 23, which I, you know, I love hearing all of those takes on anyone defending all 23 movies because all of them are perfect. And I would accept any of them to be the best if someone laid out an argument. Even Incredible Hulk. Uh, uh, I mean, that's going to be the when, hardest. 
when Kay told me that, I, I admit I was tempted to immediately change my take from Iron Man 3 to something truly indefensible. <laughs> but I, I think Iron Man 3 is great. If you listen back to the earlier episodes, it is the first episode, or that was the one Jordan liked the most by the time we got to that point. So that's like six movies in, and he said that was the best one of the first six. Yeah, and that's and that's right after Avengers. So that's yeah, so Avengers like, came out exactly, and Jordan said Iron Man three was better. Uh, one of his big arguments was, I like how it takes place during Christmas. I did and... like that about it. <laughs> also, one second, I'm gonna put down my guitar. You've earned it. Me and this Alex will be will cut talk. out from that the show though. No, no, no. You can keep Unless that. Unless you in. say something really funny while I'm gone. <laughs> Quick, Alex, give me your best joke. Guitar, more like. Key-tar. Okay, all right. So let's. I'm talking about jokes like you have locked and loaded, like ready. What when someone asks you tell a funny joke, what is your go-to? It surely what it's did, not that. It's what did the pillow say to the house? Don't sit on me. You know it. Oh, the, <laughs> that's that's it. a middle school classic. <laughs> Whew, that is a good one. Alex that was the inventor. <laughs> Alex was the inventor of obscurest humor, or ab- uh, what was what is that? Absurdist. Absurdist. Yes. I mean, I, I did invent the anti joke before <laughs> I learned that someone else had actually already done that uh, long, long before me. Uh, yeah, I I didn't know. I mean, surely because in middle school we were exclusively watching The Simpsons and Saturday Night Live, and uh, you know, just pretty mainstream pop comedy and then alex you know breaks out the pillow in the house joke and really turned the scene on its head <laughs> if i do say so yeah the the, uh, the local uh, comedy scene was never the same after that no the fauquier <laughs> county local comedy scene <laughs> um so alex uh we've had your your take on uh marvel since you were on on the trivial pursuit episode um but why don't you give the audience a little fresher and also maybe your opinion has changed in two and a half years who's to say uh, what is your stance on Marvel, how it's been recently as opposed to overall, um, and has your taste in film changed? But answer those in any sequence that you'd like. <laughs> sure. Uh, I, would, I would say probably in the two and a half years, there hasn't been that much change in my film taste. Okay. Uh, certainly the last... What's the best se- movie you've seen in the past two and a half years? That came out in the past two and a half years. Hmm. That's tough. Uh, I think... We're just at the point where Blade Runner 2049 would fall out of that. Uh, yes, that was that's, late that's, 2017. That's pretty high up there. That was uh, fantastic. <clears throat> yeah, I don't, I don't really know. We actually um, saw all that together, all three of us, and Jordan immediately rushed to the theater because he had just watched Blade Runner the, for the first time before yeah, he <laughs> walked into Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. I, I honestly would love to have seen the first one for the first time and then immediately seen the new one. That would have been quite I don't know. That seems like a lot of whiplash. It was a pretty good day of film viewing, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> I'd recommend so I, it. Okay. Uh, the back-to-back yeah, feature. I would, I would say uh, in terms of my, uh, my thoughts on Marvel, I, I think... Uh, mostly good um hey. but, but in a but in a cynical you know kind of like uh damn that corporation pumping out pretty good movies all the time kind of way okay but i mean wouldn't you say they're better than most other corporations pumping out movies like that somewhat but i think that they're the only ones really doing it on the level that they are i mean you know disney pumps out obviously just the animated films and they've all, i mean everyone's kind of got their formulas down uh, we obviously can't say the same about Star Wars. 
Um, pour one you out. Is, you think as easy as they could have done it, they they somehow managed to stick a stick in their bicycle spokes. Yeah. And, uh, kind of caused their own demise. And we are all big fans of Last Jedi, if I'm not mistaken. That that is yep. Fair. To I say. will say it is certainly the last movie featuring a Jedi that I will ever see in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> they really wrote the title knowing it was gonna. That was, this is gonna be a Jordan's last Jedi film in theaters. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. That movie was great, and then we all, none of us saw Rise of Skywalker together, but we did end up talking about it at some point um, with each other, and all of us did not like it. No, I think Poor, I think poor One Out is, is the right sentiment yeah. there. It's crazy that that franchise started reasonably strong, I mean, compared to, uh, I mean, I'm not as crazy about the prequels. Alex knows a bit more about... Uh, the lore involved, and you've seen all the Clone Wars episodes and stuff, if I'm not mistaken. or Mostly, yeah. Okay. Cer- certainly any that have any uh, kind of meaning in the new canon. And does that make the prequels better? No. no. <laughs> uh, which is a common, that's a common take I hear. It's like, oh, Attack of the Clones is actually really good if you know what happens after. Yeah. Which, you know, not to be too mean to those people, but it's a bad take. <laughs> um, it's just, you know, I don't, I don't think any film should require supplemental material to make the sure. stuff better. I think the Animatrix makes Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions better, but that doesn't make them great films on their own. Yeah. Matrix 3 is rough. Uh, I actually had not rewatched it until... I remember watching it for the first time. I watched like the trilogy in like the same weekend in 8th grade or something. Hmm. And the first one was so good. And I was like, let's yeah. keep these going. And 2, I remember really enjoying. And then 3... I fell asleep during, but I mm-hmm. remember, like, I guess my experience of the trilogy, like, that weekend was so positive that I remember liking it, despite yeah. the fact that I was asleep for half of it. I think sleeping through part of it definitely enhanced your perception of it. <laughs> you, you, you probably subconsciously slept through the worst, most boring parts, and then as a result, were awake, you know, for the, the best the, parts. The good? I guess. I only remember the ending, which I'm not sure if I am recalling correctly, because I haven't watched... The ending. I didn't. When I rewatched them recently, I did not finish the third one because I was wow. having such a bad time. Yeah. Um, but I remember the ending like everything was slowly turning back to normal or back to humankind or whatever. Uh, we'll have to see what they've cooked up for uh, the Matrix Four. I yeah. Next year. Yes. Is is it the same directors? Only one. One of them. Okay. I believe it's Lena and not the other one. <laughs> Why did the other one not come back? Uh, I believe she's um, taken a possibly temporary but kind of a hiatus from working in Hollywood. Okay, well, that's fair. Um, I'm sure it's very stressful. That, that Netflix show, Sensei, um, and oh, yeah. kind of split that. off into doing their own things, which is I honestly partially why I'm a little uh, apprehensive of how The Matrix Four will go. Obviously, having Keanu back is a good thing, but okay, I was about to ask. Same, yeah, that, that same team also made The Matrix Two and Three, so yeah, that's who's, true. Who's to say? But. Do you think it's in their favor that Keanu has never been hotter than he is right now? Like it, in it can't hurt. It's gonna make money. <laughs> in team, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll give it that. But. He's got a weird career arc in terms of popularity. Very strange. He was huge, like, and then he was never like gone. But then he somehow. But he's like, like he was Constantine. He was doing like Constantine, and then like after the Matrix petered out, like yeah, nothing. And then John Wick happened, and he became legendary status for whatever it was, reason. It was that uh, that movie. I remember seeing trailers for a lot. It was one of those years we were at the movies a lot that summer. Ah uh, uh, yes, got, I want to say it's got a number in it, but it's like it was kind of like uh, like ninjas, 
and he was like uh teenage mutant ninja turtles no that's a good guess though <laughs> uh gosh, three ninjas because i'm i'm doing it no nope, uh, also not not the uh late 1980s classic three ninjas it's basically home alone mixed with the teenage mutant ninja turtles so much ninja lore that what other movies have ninjas film. in the title Jordan, I'm looking at you. Ninja you are, Assassin. You are wearing a katana. <laughs> I can't think of any ninja movies. This is actually just a letter opener. <laughs> um, <laughs> isn't a katana much uh, bigger than most letter openers? That's an interesting choice. I have a lot of mail. Oh, sorry. What? <laughs> 47 Ronin. That's oh, interesting. yeah. That's, that's the one that I think of as like, I, I, thought, I thought it was earlier. It's actually, it's 2013. And in my mind, that was just like, at that point, seeing that Keanu Reeves was in a movie was not enough to make me go, oh, I gotta see that. It was just kind of like, huh, guess he's in that. Um, but interestingly, the very next year is John Wick. So I guess really by huh. the time he kind of waned to the point where I didn't care was right before mm-hmm. he kind of kicked it back up again. Interesting. Oh. And John Wick, I, I've never seen still. Wow. But it's, I might. Uh, <laughs> is it on anything? Is it viewable? <laughs> I think HBO Max has i know at least has three i think it might have all three uh it did at a time but it's a very fickle you know with the streaming so you you got a window to watch these things hbo max is a fickle mistress yeah oh my god and the least user-friendly we have brought this up on the podcast this (laughs) year in fact Uh, disney plus irks me more and i don't know if that's a max specific thing because i end up watching a lot of movies on my computer you know i've got a a secondary screen that's like a tv Mm -hmm. uh but Disney Plus will crash on me and then forget that I even started the film really? and, and not have my progress saved whereas HBO Max will instead do the same thing but remember where I was <laughs> um, neither of them play very well I that's interesting because I have not had I had a slight problem with Disney Plus when I immediately got it and Endgame was there day one so I was like I'm going to watch Endgame because that's pretty much the only thing on this streaming service uh debatable i i would i would say you know the number of times that it's cut out while i'm trying to find out what baby yoda's about to do next is uh unfortunate but i oh, how about all right how about mandalorian i how about i mean speaking of star wars how great was that finale great phenomenal jordan do you watch it i tried to watch the first episode recently of the okay. whole series i've never okay. watched any of it um and i got halfway through the first step and then i was just like i don't care about star wars that much that's, that's fair i i had no, we had another friend kate and i a mutual friend asking recently if they should give it a shot uh and i was i was gonna type a response and then kind of realized you know i i couldn't guarantee that oh if you enjoy the first episode you like the whole sh- the whole show because it, it does actually uh it changes a bit season two is certainly quite different than season one yeah. season one's almost like you know a, a pretty straight out western in space with a different, you know, kind of like adventure of the week, uh, type yes. feel. Kind of like a um, comic strip. Yeah, um, like and a ep- very expensive also comic strip. A little, it's a little uneven for me looking back compared to some of the later episodes. Um, I, I, I think you can see it trying to. What about the budget? Because I feel like season two was exponentially more expensive to make. Oh just yeah, with... I mean season one had a pretty a pretty good budget, but I, I can only imagine for two it was much much higher. Not quite Game of Thrones level, but certainly closer to that than. Certainly a better finale thus far. Yeah, I mean, if you think of something like Agents of Shield, or something else that's supposed to be, you know, a small a continuation of this cinematic universe on this on a smaller screen. Gotcha. Uh, it's it's day and night, just the budget. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And certainly um, the Marvel shows that are slated to come out on Disney Plus, at least based on their trailers, look to have carried on that cinematic quality for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. What uh, did you all, think? Most of them look like they could be films. Mm-hmm. What What do you think? What's What's your, the project you're looking forward to the most, Alex? We just discussed this last week, but we didn't have your take of the Marvel ones because definitely more looking forward to the Star Wars projects. Because uh, well, you can is, sure. We what Marvel, What's your Marvel's favorite Star had, Wars? Marvel's had a lot of you know pretty good and some great movies recently, mm-hmm. uh, whereas Star Wars has had uh, maybe two, three good ones at best that's if i feel like willing to defend solo which is a mountain i go on sometimes and then rewatch the film and then maybe come down the mountain a little bit <laughs> my memory of solo having not seen it since the theater is that it was a fun film yeah and i and i would still stick with that i defend that pretty well but i there yeah. have been times where i've tried to say like oh it's it's better than force awakens or rogue one but not the last Jedi. i, I watch it and that falls apart kind of quickly i it's, yeah i don't think i'd ever i'd really like after like 45 minutes into the movie, I kind of feel like really into it. And then I love Paul Bettany's character. Uh, yeah. yeah, fight sequences are good. I just, yeah, some about that movie makes me never want to watch it again. <laughs> Speaking of Paul Bettany, that was actually, because I'd watched Solo fairly recently, uh, mm-hmm. one of my big takeaways was I kind of forgot that for so many years I knew him best just as that little voice in Iron Man's head. Yeah. It's crazy that he got to become his own superhero later. It really and, is. And going backwards. It's kind of strange, and I'm just like, when's he show? Oh, right, he's not in this. <laughs> we saw Iron Man one in theaters together, and you we pointed did. out that's Paul Bettany's voice, and I didn't know who that was. Uh, I don't know if you knew at the time the Vision lore. I am, I am almost entirely sure that I just read it somewhere, and someone else <laughs> thought that that was worth noting, and so I thought, huh. That, that must be worth sharing. <laughs> and he shared uh, it, as a and I. Year old film goer, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who would have thought that he would become a success story with his own TV show about to come out yeah. uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, so uh, back to one quick Star Wars thing. Uh, the prequel trilogy versus the sequel trilogy. What's sequel your... trilogy. Okay. All right. Cool. I, 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 I think as bad as Rise of Skywalker is. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. There's still definitely parts, large parts of it that are better acted, better written and better performed than the majority of Attack of the Clones. Even if I think Attack of the Clones... I, I think the prequels have a lot of great ideas. There's a yeah. lot of wonderful concept art and great design work going on. And then just some of the worst directing and writing Did, that's ever happened at a film of that level. Do you think if George Lucas didn't direct, it would have been better? Absol- absolutely. Uh, and he actually he tried to get Steven Spielberg or Ron Howard or some others to direct The Phantom Menace <laughs> while writing it. Um, because he said, you know, I, I like doing this writing even though he complains about writing a lot um <laughs> but direct like you know there's a reason he didn't direct empire strikes back or return of the Jedi. Yeah. he felt it was just too much work to be and doing those ended up being ones. pretty great largely due to uh george not necessarily writing the entire screenplay and not directing it yeah, and getting I, in I, his own way i i think you know having seen ron howard directed solo it would at least be a a safer uh, maybe not quite as boring film about trade negotiations because I think only George thought that was a good idea. Yeah, Ron <laughs> Howard is not... He is a very safe director. I think that's yes. a fair way to put it. I'm never like, wow, that Ron Howard film was amazing, except for maybe Apollo yeah. 13. There's there's a small handful that I that I think kind of transcend his his usual level of like pretty okayness. 
Um, mm-hmm. But as a whole, it's kind of like, well, that was fun. Like, are you my, talking my dad about would like that? Are you talking about hillbilly elegy? I am not. <laughs> uh, I, I I remember reading that he had been attached to direct it, and I was already familiar with the book because of all of its political controversialness, etc. And I just thought, interesting how how someone who's truly one of like the most Hollywood Hollywood people. I mean, he's he's you know, such a big producer. Has worked with yeah. Brian Grazer you know, in like a production team for so long. But I just, I just kind of picture him as like, he's like Steven Spielberg now. He's just such a businessman. Um, yeah. So I was like, well, so what's this liberal businessman's hot <laughs> take on uh, this kind of lift yourself up from your bootstraps? Uh, I can do anything, uh, you know, right wing book. Yeah. Uh, uh, did you watch it? The answer is nothing very good. <laughs> did either of you watch the movie? No. Nah. I did. It was terrible. It was genuinely horrible. I've heard about um, Glenn Close's line, um, listen, there are three types of Terminators. Good Terminators, neutral Terminators, and bad Terminators. And uh, my my favorite review by uh, David Sims is that, uh, no, there's no such thing as neutral Terminators, Glenn Close. Like, there's there's only, you know, three or four movies for you to watch. Yeah, what is a neutral? And none of them are neutral. Yeah. Well, you don't see them in the movies because the neutral Terminators are just doing their own thing. They're just getting breakfast somewhere. They're not going back in time. They're not even technically Terminators. Uh, I forgot about that. I didn't even, well, I mean, I remember the line, but I don't, I didn't pay attention to it because the only Glenn Close line at the very beginning of the movie, when I knew it was going to be bad, because I didn't, I went in kind of like, Giving Ron Howard the benefit of the doubt, I expected just a middle of the road kind of like you guys were saying. He's just a fine director, and I accept I ex- expected a lot of just rand uh you know hate toward it exclusively because of the book that it's based on, the source material. Right. And then I was like, maybe Ron Howard will do something interesting with this. And then, no more than three minutes into the into the movie, Glenn Close has a line where she flips a family member the bird, and she holds up the finger and says, see this, sit on it and spin on it or something like that. And I was, that's an insane thing for anyone's grandmother to say. And that doesn't even sound like a real representation of what he's trying well, you know, to do. Even though we grew up in, you know, good old rural Fauquier County, yeah. uh, we don't know what it's like over in Appalachia. And I, I think that's just a, that's just a realistic look at the good hearty people over there. That was just a crazy, it's like what someone from another planet would think a redneck would say another planet like, you mean hollywood <laughs> yeah <laughs> planet hollywood <laughs> favorite I've restaurant been there. I, how was it how was the service mediocre like ron howard's movies <laughs> i know um, what i was getting and it it delivered so this is our hillbilly elegy podcast uh you've all come to the right place for your favorite movie of 2020 uh but we are here to talk about iron man 3 and also, uh, Christmas, because it's a Christmas episode. This is our first annual. Uh, Jordan did a nice sing-along. I have some good Christmas game ideas. Uh, but first, Alex, why don't you give me give us your take on Iron Man 3, because you said it's your favorite, and I really like that take. Uh, sure. Uh, so for some context first, have either of you seen other Shane Black movies? Yes, I am a fan. Uh, so, uh, the I Nice Guys... Yeah, um, wrote and directed. Uh, the nice guys. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was his uh-huh. was his first writing and directing. This is his uh-huh. second film that he's directed and written, and then did the nice guys after. Um, but also wrote the original Lethal Weapon, uh, oh, Last I Action didn't know that. Hero, um, Boy Scout with Bruce Willis. Huh. Um, 
so some some cla- kind of classic '90s uh, buddy cop uh, police, you know, action movies, um, and I, I think his 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 banter is kind of he's got that down to a T, and I think that you know really works well for Robert Downey Jr. in this movie. He is um, the only person I saw a review that said he's the only person who should be allowed to write for Robert Downey Jr. Which I I don't mind that. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, totally buy. He's got zingers in his other films. Uh, yeah, but I, I think it just it really works with him here and his interaction with other characters. I think it helps his chemistry, especially with uh, we'll get to it later. But the little boy, mm-hmm. in, oh uh, yes, Tennessee. Oh. Um, but so all of those movies are also set at Christmas. That is that is a Shane oh. Black special. Is um, is the Predator also set at Christmas? So I think it might be. He's acted in that, um, but did not write. He directed oh, it. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. The, the new the Predator, yes. The new Predator. Uh, the Predator reboot, which uh, I think is underrated. I don't think it's amazing, but a lot of people hated it, and I think it... I would, I would agree with that. I honestly... I'd obviously forgotten about it. I did see it, um, and I, I think it got more hate than it deserved, but it's also not up to the level of even the nice guys, or certainly not Kiss no. Bang Bang. I think he was trying to make an 80s movie in the mid 2010s or whatever decade Late this is. Late 2010s. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can see that. And I mean, the nice guys is a 70s. What's obviously a period piece, but very much yeah. of the the buddy cop movies of that time as well. No, he was trying to make a modern movie that is set in today, actually, but yeah. he was treating it like it was an 80s movie, and that everyone who was in the movie was from the 80s. I, I could see that, yeah. It was a very interesting take. Um, uh, I thought the movie was fine, but a lot of people hated it. Uh, so I like Shane Black, to answer your question. Yeah, so I, I have uh, some notes here, but uh, a Great. quote from Shane Black. Um, on the setting of the film around Christmas, uh, I think it's a sense of if you're doing something on an interesting scale that involves an entire universe of characters, one way to unite them is to have them all undergo a common experience. There's something at Christmas that unites everybody, and it already sets a stage within the stage that wherever you are, you're experiencing this world together. I think that also there's something just pleasing about it to me. Um, Jordan and Shane Black think alike. Did I say something like that? <laughs> you said you like Christmas. There's something well, that's about it that's true. pleasing to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do think that, that quote rings true for this movie because you have him going from, like, California way just to the center of Tennessee, and, like, the fact that it's Christmas in both places does, like, help bring a cohesion to it yeah you got like roman's chinese theater with the christmas trees but mm-hmm. then also the the little country bar with all the christmas decorations inside or the weird christmas beauty pageant yeah the yeah. Miss, miss chattanooga yeah <laughs> <laughs> what a film so uh alex you just rewatched this uh did you i will say this upon, great um what was your take like rewatching it was it the same was it better was it I'd say the same. I think I'd last watched it whenever Jordan did for the podcast. Um, okay. And that had been my first rewatch since theaters, I want to say. Oh, wow. So that was, that was the biggest gap, I guess, in, in viewing there. Um, though it's probably been close to three years since Jordan watched it for the podcast. So That's true. That was uh, summer 2017. Um, but yeah, I, I think it holds up um, really well. Uh, I w- and will. And I, I think, to me, it exemplifies a period where... Uh, I didn't want to hint at this too much earlier, but in terms of, you know, Marvel and their phases, I think phase one, you know, they kind of start out, there's some rockiness, you have Incredible Hulk, uh, Thor and Captain America, parts of them I think hold up well, parts of a lot of Thor especially do not, um, Iron Man 2 
probably should never have been made. <laughs> yeah. Kind of interesting that Favreau was able to do so many other great movies and Iron Man 2 was just like... What, yeah. Do you know anything about the backstory there? Like how that from, was such a miss? From all I can tell, that was that was more of, you know, compared to his other films, that wasn't like, okay, I got a great idea and a story and, you know, oh, I'm going to get this actor and, like, we're going to put it together and let's see how it goes. And I think that was more of a, his most straightforward... Here's here's what I'm you know, here's the money goal. Uh-huh. Uh, it's gonna make a lot of money. It's going to kind of like keep us going while we figure out what we want to do, um, like leading up to the Avengers, sure, um, and the other movies. And I think it's to me it's kind of like the same equivalent where we went from the Jungle Book, which I which I thought was quite good, and I hadn't quite gotten tired of the novelty of you know, these photorealistic <laughs> animals. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But then when you get to the Lion King. And it's just so stale and lifeless, and it's like, why does this movie exist? Like, I, yeah. he spent so much time, and there's so much, uh, you know, it, energy and resources put into the visual effects, but it's it's so dead inside. And I, to me, that's a very Iron Man two esque continuation, where it's like, I think he does best when he's got a new, fresh idea, not when he's just kind of trying to milk the same thing again. That's a very good take. Yeah, uh, I saw a Chef recently. And that's very much him with just like an idea that he just pours himself into and it turns out yeah. pretty well. Oh, that movie makes me so hungry every time I watch it, but it's fantastic. Well, it's interesting because I mean, it doesn't really have a act two, like, like normally you have, you start off the movie, then a bad thing happens, then the character kind of adapts to the situation, then it gets even worse, and then they finally pull their way out of it and the movie ends. That movie doesn't really have that. Like, everything dips at the beginning, and then it's just it cruises into the finale pretty much yeah. fine. There isn't really it's, any second dip where his, like he thinks his kid's going to hate him or something like that. It's stellar, and I like all of his Marvel friends come hang out with him. Yes, very much <laughs> so. Uh, um, so do you think that he, The Mandalorian could ever crash uh, just the way that he's done all these other projects, like if he does it for too long? So, in classic Disney fashion, uh, you know, I've I've long said that I think the death of the MCU will be when they in- eventually, inevitably, overreach, and I I think they were building close to that, and honestly, I think this pandemic has done them some favors in that way of just giving everyone a, a break, and kind of like building back up their hunger for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, obviously, I think there are fans like you who. Uh, had plenty of room left for Black Widow to come out when it was going to, and for the slate. I to going I've been waiting for so long. But it's the I longest think, I've waited. Yeah, <laughs> since oh, Iron Man Two. Yeah, from Incredible uh, Hulk to for, Iron Man Two. For someone like me, it's kind of like yeah, I would I would at the moment probably pay to go see Black Widow in theaters just to feel normal again, mm-hmm. uh, if if the opportunity to do so safely was here. So um, you're so. I mean, no one knows how this will kind of unfold by May, uh, since the vaccine just came out. But do is you that think its latest release date? It is in May, and they have announced it's going to come out in May, whether it's streaming service or theaters. Okay. Or both. Yeah. But because uh, HBO, oh, I, this is a good question for you, since you're such a movie buff. What do you think about HBO's uh, deal to put all the movie, the Warner Brother movies, on the streaming service the day of intentional release? Uh, it's terrible. Uh, and I know we we discussed this previously off podcast, and you'd mentioned a Denis Villeneuve's statement, which I think Dune. released the day before. Uh, yeah. And I, yeah, I would have to agree with most of what he said. Yep. I know Nolan, Nolan had a good piece too, but I think basically, uh, I think Warner Brothers sees it as well. We're doing you a favor 
you either, you know, at least this way you have something to put in theaters and you'll make the little money you'll get instead of waiting. And I think the theaters are more like, like, look, like we're already hurting, but we were prepared to wait this out and then make back, you know, as much income as possible. Yep. Uh, and this is definitely going to hurt them. Uh, and not just the theaters, but, you know, the directors, the actors, oh, the yeah. crews, you know, they... It seems it's, it's like no one to, working on the movie is happy about this decision. No, no one involved it, with the movie. It's hard to imagine, you know, Denis Villeneuve and his crew and all putting in all of the work and love, knowing that the majority of people would end up watching the movie on their laptop or couch. You know, yeah. that's just, there's... That's imagine, the just imagine seeing Blade Runner 2049 for the first time on your cell phone. Just because I, I would have enjoyed it, but no, I mean, it, you know, the, just the visceral impact that watching a movie in the movie theater has, you know, the reason we still do it, uh, it's definitely lost at home. It's, uh, I mean, home systems are getting better for sure, but uh, un, un, until I have, you know, yeah, whole rows of reclining seats and a yeah. projection screen uh, that matches, you know, the, the width and ratio to my eyeballs of the I, theater. Man, I, I want to uh, see a movie so bad now after this conversation. <laughs> I want to go to the theater with a I'm giant gonna some, Coke. I'm going to go make some popcorn and cry. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I miss the theaters um, for sure. I mean, I've been a couple times since the pandemic with my mask on and, you know, you have to wear it the whole time, which is safe. And usually and the theaters are and empty. you're certainly down in a, a safer town than I am. Uh, yes, that is true. Yeah. Uh, we have a low outbreak percentage, fortunately. Um, but it is, uh, it just, cause I saw, uh, we talked recently about sound of metal, which I saw in theaters and Dolby Atmos speakers and Jordan watched it on a television without a sound system. And I yeah. cannot imagine what that was like. Although Alex hasn't seen this movie. So maybe this reference is lost on him. It's that's, really that's good. I recommend it. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying I recommend it. <laughs> I'm going to have to edit yeah. that. <laughs> Back to you, uh, Alex. <laughs> that is that is the reason why I end up watching quite a few movies on my Mac, just on, like, you know, I got a nice display screen. Uh, yeah. But, like, with the headphones in, I it feels closer to kind of capturing that full surround sound impact yeah. that I get in theaters where, like, I you know, I have a home theater and it's got some surround sound, but unless I'm blasting it at a level where my upstairs neighbors, you know, will file a petition to evict me, it's, it's not going to be the same. <laughs> Don't want that. Um, so and they, and they threatened. They have to evict you. No. <laughs> I was about to say that's hardball. Um, uh, Jordan, what was your take upon rewatching Iron Man three for the second time in your life? I I don't remember exactly what my take was last time, but I think it was the same as this, which is that I really enjoyed the first half of the movie, like everything until the Mandarin. Uh, like you find out he's an actor. Like I think mm-hmm. that scene where they get him to the president to call and then he kills the guy anyway. I love yeah. that. Like that's like, you like did he really has him by the that. scruff. And it's cool. Three years ago. And then and then <laughs> I actually like the scene too where it reveals that the Mandarin's an actor. Like it's like, oh, that's I, kind of a funny twist of fate kind of thing. I love but Ben takes, Kingsley's performance there. I think it takes the teeth out of the movie a little bit after that. And then, like, then it just becomes, like, the super fireman guy, and I don't care as much about that as I, than I did about this weird terrorist threat, which I think yeah. was scarier. And I, 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 would, I would agree with that to an extent. I, I think the, the – I love – yeah, I love the reveal of the Mandarin, but, yeah, if I think the villain uh, they ended up having with Killian and, you know, all of the uh, fiery people, um, most of whom, especially at the, the last – 
anticlimactic scene being um, Chinese actors who were featured in a special edition cut for China with additional footage, um, <laughs> which was actually uh, turned out to basically be a milk commercial. They, they literally had heavy product placement and all of those additional scenes featuring a milk brand. And so I remember when it came out, I was like, oh, I want to see that Chinese cut. I want more of this action. And then I saw like a bootleg version cut. on YouTube years later. It's like, oh, this is horrible. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's it's. I'm not as interested in Guy Pierce when he's full of fire, and it just kind of gets to be a little more of like a special effects showdown than than kind of like the existential threat of the Mandarin. I do. I will say I've seen this movie probably like ten or eleven times at this point because this was I watched this in theaters and then I didn't watch it for three years or so after theaters. I actually watched uh-huh. it. I owned the Blu-ray for a while, but I didn't watch it until the day Civil War came out in theaters and I had tickets to see it opening night. And I was just like, I'll pop in Iron Man 3 because I'm Team Iron Man. So let's, you know, remember why I'm Team Iron Man. Uh, And I really enjoyed it. I've watched it several times since then. This is probably the one that is, like, the most fun to rewatch just because, yeah, I the first first few times I watched it, I definitely agreed with Mandarin Existential Threat. Like, this is super badass. Uh, Kind of an interesting twist. But now that I know the twist is coming... I think it's very, it's just fun. And Ben Kingsley's, yeah. like, reveal gets really entertaining. Like, just, I there's so many, like, nuances, like, just to that weird thing. Like, when he touches the gun to his ear, he's like, ah, that hurts, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the delivery of that whole performance. Um, and then the fight sequence at the end with all the suits, I just think that's absolute I, I do fun. love the suits. I will, I will come back to the suits later. Okay. Uh, I actually like those I, more because I think I complained about those the last time we watched them. Like just because I think hmm. once everything starts to get really CGI and actiony, I kind of tune out. But this time I enjoyed them more. I yeah. can't really explain why. I don't know. It's just. But I, I think just, it's just more. It's it's less of an uh, just typical action packed. It's just like the interest. Like all these suits kind of perform different functions, and I think that that's kind of interesting with the engineering involved. To, just the story behind all these suits. Like that one that's like all spirally and it just breaks up into little pieces. Yeah. Uh, and just kind of like, what was what was Tony thinking when he built that? I want to get in the head of Stark. Yeah, um, I think um, I think that's that's one of the large reasons why the last act kind of works for me. Uh, not even the last act, but just that, that whole act scene at the end on the, the dockyard uh, or the boat. Yeah. Um, it's because, yeah, like, in, in most of the fight, when it's, you know, Guy Pierce or the fire people, I'm not as involved. And I don't know if that's just the way they look, where it's, like, it's certainly well done effects-wise, but it's just one of those things where it's, like, it's kind of like with Transformers. I mean, like, you know, the Autobots are these immaculately created visual effects, you know, breakthroughs, and they're boring to watch, which is <laughs> really sad. Yeah. Uh, I, but but the suits, there's something where it's just like the inventiveness of each of them, and I can just see concept artists working at Marvel coming up with like their craziest fun ideas. I mean Tony Stark coming up with his craziest fun ideas, mm-hmm. uh, and there's there's something kind of charming about that. Yeah, I I think uh, the suits are a very fun part of the movie. Uh, I also think that this is just a very i mean at the time we didn't have this was the first ending to a trilogy so i think that this wraps up the trilogy nicely this was a good bar or just something to set precedent for the rest of the trilogies that would then come out but did any of the other trilogies uh, really follow this i feel like this is the only trilogy that wrapped up nicely because ragnarok's just keep going and captain america didn't really end its civil war i think well the last shot of 
I mean, none of these characters, because obviously Tony Stark goes on to do more stuff. But his his oh. you get the metal taken out of his heart and stuff, and like there's sure. a, there's a ending to his arc. There's yeah. definitely more resolution. So that's that's actually huge a huge part of not my problem with Iron Man three, but my problem with Age of Ultron is that uh. in it, it, it I think because of um, and I sort of started going down this line earlier but so because of where the Marvel Cinematic Universe was where you wrapped up phase one and you had the start of phase two and I know that they they knew obviously what they were headed towards with Infinity War but it was still early enough that they knew they weren't going to be there for quite a while they had quite a few movies to get through they still had some crazy ideas like Guardians of the Galaxy to try out and if that had flopped you know Infinity War as we know it would have been very different um, yeah. But I think it, that allowed Shane Black to have a lot more control, both in writing and directing, and kind of the where the character starts and where the character can end. Whereas nowadays, you hear about some of the directors, like you know, even a Joss Whedon's complained. There's there's just too many you know connect the dots involved sometimes for the directors, and they want to have more freedom. But they oh well, this character has to end up here doing this mm-hmm. in order to start the next film doing this. Whereas Shane Black was pretty much able to have Iron Man retire uh, to focus on his relationship with Pepper Potts. And then at the start of Ultron, uh, that's just kind of not the case anymore. It's, it's, there's been, something's happened off screen. And actually, I have a quote from uh, Kevin Feige here. Um, For example, at the end of Iron Man 3, it looks like Tony Stark has decided to stop being Iron Man. But the beginning of Age of Ultron shows the team together, with Tony back in the suit with no explanation of what about what happened in between. There will be storytelling in the future films, as a matter of fact, Feige said, in terms of Tony's journey. The fact that he's having a hard time putting down the suit will come into play. And I would argue that never happened. No. Um, I, at least in terms of filling they, in the gaps. They pay a little lip service to that, like at the beginning of Infinity War, with the scene of them walking in the park, him and Pepper Potts. Or maybe that's an endgame. I don't know. No, that's Infinity War. Infinity War, where they're walking, and that lasts for like three minutes. But like, well, and it, it touches think, on those themes, but it does it doesn't do any development to them. I right. think there's a lot of subtle hints toward it, and then at the end, when uh, spoiler alert, he dies. What? Uh, which I which was spoiled in the song that Jordan sang earlier. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> Pepper Pot said, "You can finally sleep now." So. And through like every one of the movies that he's in, even including Iron Man three, he's so stressed out about the black hole. Um, he's he's having like panic attacks, which is one of my favorite subplots of this movie. He's just yeah. kind of grappling with the fact that he's a superhero, and it kind of just shows how mortal he is. Whereas like you know a Batman or Superman, like a Man of Steel, he didn't really have a weakness. Uh, yeah. To quote one of well, Jordan well, Jordan's no, favorite that's not true. superhero His mom's films, name is Martha, and that's a weakness. That's a Batman versus Superman weakness. Man of Steel, he's just perfect all the way through. Uh, so, I, I understand, like, it, I thought, I didn't even notice at the end of Age of Ultron, like, and the end of Iron Man 3, I was never like, oh, he's done being Iron Man forever. That never even occurred to me. I thought he got, like, the shrapnel out, and he was obviously going to focus more on time with Pepper and stuff, but he never struck me as the type of person who'd be like, yeah, I'm putting this away forever. It, it seemed at least like, because he blew up all the suits, you know, I need to, if I'm going to continue being Iron Man, I need to focus on kind of like a little more simplistic, like it's yeah. me, I am Iron Man, not these suits flying around. Mm-hmm. And then in Age of Ultron, you know, immediately the threat is, oops, I have this factory that builds Iron Man drones and Ultron's well, hijacked. he wanted to build the Ultron protocol so he wouldn't have to be in the suit anymore. 
So he's slowly working toward it, and throughout the series, you kind of realize this is his addiction. He can't stop it. And I even noticed that the in Civil War, like that seemed like a bigger disconnect to me because he was talking about how it's like I couldn't put the suit down. Uh, Pepper broke up with me because um, that seemed at the beginning of that he was more like I don't want to be Iron Man I for- anymore. And I forgot that they were su- separated. Well, you know, because Gwyneth Paltrow was too busy yes. to appear in the film. But correct. So they <laughs> did the plot line where she was not, and then she obviously came back at the end of Spider Man Homecoming. In, in what a big way. Yeah, well, a, that was a fun surprise. But still we have, like, this... We're rolling back the character development that occurs over Tony's trilogy in, like, kind of off-screen ways in Civil War and stuff like that. Like, we're hearing that, oh, apparently this is not going well anymore. Yeah. Right. And, that's, is, and to me, that's that's one of the reasons why I wish we had more standalone Iron Man films, because most of his character development in the later installments is either, you know, because he's sharing the screen with 15 other people, yeah. has to be in kind of bite-sized moments, like when he's talking to Pepper Potts for a couple of minutes in the park before the attack, or kind of, you know, implied a reference to have happened between the films. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have loved an Iron Man 4, whether that was with Shane Black or John Favreau. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which, which reminds me real quick, so the reason actually John Favreau did not direct this film... Uh, I figured they wouldn't let him after two. No, uh, he, was, he, was, they were, he was still their golden child. Really? Um, I mean, Disney, you know, because I believe next after that might have actually been The Jungle Book. I think it took a while, but I think that was his next, uh, at least big blockbustery movie. Um, mm. But anyway, uh, he stepped down in December of 2010 from directing Iron Man 3 because he was going to make a film called Magic Kingdom, uh, which was going to be a film described as Night at the Museum meets Disneyland, and that all of the Disney characters huh. would come alive at night. I wonder if that uh, was around the similar time that the Tomorrowland movie happened? I, I think surely Tomorrowland was in development. Like, what were they doing? Like, a different little... 14 or 15. Yeah, like, park work-in movies? I, I could have seen <laughs> yeah, the idea being, like, we're just going to go all in on, like, the transforming our park into a film in the same way as like Haunted Mansion and Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. that previously worked so well. But Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. is really the... They never recreated that taking no. a ride to the... And, s- and yeah, you have Country Bears, Jamboree, and Haunted <laughs> Mansion, and uh, there's one more. That's, I always forget, but yeah. I want to see a Carousel I, of Progress movie. Heck oh. yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> uh, I will say uh, my wife... Uh, then my fiance and my sister and I all went to Disney World uh, last Christmas. Uh, my parents surprised us uh, yeah. with tickets uh. for two days, so we did we did Epcot, Magic Kingdom, um, and that was that was a uh, I don't know one one of the more jarring things was the number of like attractions like the Carousel of Progress that I think of as like when I went when I was a kid it was like that was kind of cool or like more innovative and was closed the entire time we were there mm. and apparently that's like a very common occurrence and they're kind of phasing out the stuff that kind of makes you think more like an Epcot <laughs> there were entire buildings being torn down like oh what's going here it's like oh it's a Ratatouille ride in France because it's France yeah. and it's like when they yeah. started Epcot it was supposed to be like oh it's like as actual French you know you learn about French culture yeah and now it's like uh, Ratatouille. Or like the Norway Norway's ride. Got fro- yeah, Norway's now frozen. I hate that. I love yeah. the Norway ride. That was like my favorite yeah. thing in all of Epcot because it was kind of scary and weird, and I liked the strange designs of the trolls and stuff like that. Yeah. I haven't actually yeah. been there since it's been frozen, but I can't imagine I enjoy it nearly as much. 
it is exactly what you would assume it would be. Yeah. Like, the abominable snowman is now the giant snow boulder that uh, Elsa creates, and it's, you know, it's charming, sure. It's like, oh, yeah, I enjoyed Frozen, but it's it's that weird homogenized, like, everything's now Disney brand. Mm-hmm. I have never been to Disneyland or World. Uh, should we? Should we? Should, funny, should we go on a field trip? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. they're they're going to be adding more Marvel stuff. Certainly, I know that's time. so. Well, I mean, I was on board as soon as they added Star Wars. Like, I, as a kid, like yeah. you know, my parents were never going to take me, uh, and I was like, ah, Mickey Mouse, I don't give a shit. But then <laughs> now you know, Marvel, Star Wars, Star Wars, yeah. Now, well, first Star Wars, I was like, okay, and then they got Marvel, and I was like, I'm going to and Pandora. Disney. Oh yeah, which which. <laughs> Oh By God! All accounts, it's actually <laughs> quite a success. I've I've heard nothing but good things from people that have been there. I mean, that was Legit- the legitimately that was the best thing about the movie was the world building kind of stuff that was in it. Yeah, not the and, story. And apparently, the park does as much as possible to distance itself from any sort of story from the film. Yeah, because that they as it should. Yeah, I think it actually like takes place, quote unquote, like <coughs> either decades or hundreds of years later or something. Hmm. Hundreds of years. They're really trying to distance themselves. <laughs> oh, I inhaled saliva after Jordan made me think that Pandora was an option on the Disney World trip. Oh, <laughs> it, that's it, very it upsetting. Kingdom. You just oh, gotta go. God. Oh, well, I mean, I still want to go. I think we should take a field trip. Maybe just, you know, after the, uh, the annual Christmas episode, we go with our guest every year to Disney World. <laughs> Obviously, Alex, we won't be able to take you this year because of current it's, worldwide it's open, circumstances. Though, no, 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 it's, it's open. We should go. Is, it's, like, how open? My parents have been since the oh. pandemic started. They went really? in September. Yeah. Oh, yeah Has your dad been on roller coasters? What? Has your dad been on roller coasters? Yeah. You know, I mean, that? roller coasters are outdoor and the air is moving all around. You're not going to breathe in... Someone's like I, I don't I don't know I virus to keep up with that <laughs> I, I heard that roller coasters invented the virus, but you know oh. who's who's to say where I heard that from? <laughs> uh, that yeah, I guess that's a good point. If you're just constantly moving, the virus can't catch it can't you. catch you. This is basically we've all been living in a society-wide version of speed. Where as long as oh my we God. keep moving, mm. the virus can't keep up with us. I was thinking and everyone's we, been slowing down. That's we, why we're getting it. No one's running like a, as fast. We need a Snowpiercer-esque solution that just keeps us always on the move. Yeah, that'd be yeah, perfect. Yeah, we're like 90% of us are just eating shit in the back tr- back part of this train. Yeah. Is it any different than the system we have now? <laughs> well, we're not on a train. Snowpiercer is a mirror to society. Yeah. <laughs> and Willy Wonka. I don't know Man. if you've seen that fan theory, but it's Willy yeah, Wonka. Oh yeah. yeah, I love that. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I did not piece that together. I've not seen that fan theory. Yeah, anymore. it's it's uh, that Willy Wonka or no uh, Charlie, I guess, grew up to become to uh, make Snowpiercer. <laughs> the, the basically the the eccentric old crazy guy that created the train and all. Huh. that's interesting. Yeah, Ed Harris is. I yeah. could Charlie. Mister Glenn Gary Glenn Ross himself. Mm-hmm. One of the <laughs> wow. many. <laughs> one of the four uh that is hmm. wow snowpiercer hap snowing christmas movie that's another one this is a good segue though we will return back to iron man 3 this is also a christmas episode what is everyone's go-to christmas movie aside from iron man 3 hmm. muppets christmas carol uh what is your it's what's the lore movie. behind that 
why? What is your connection I saw, to that? I saw it as an impressionable child. Uh, <laughs> TV played it every year for me, and now it has a place in my heart. And you, like, and you actively put it on? <laughs> you actively put it on every year? Uh, I, I did la- this last year and this year, because now it's on Disney+, Plus. it's easier than mm-hmm. ever. I don't have to look up, you know, ABC Family or uh, now Freeform's, you know, TV schedule. Yeah. I'd have to, I'd have to, I'd have to buy a TV again or a you know, TV subscription uh, mm-hmm. to actually watch that anyway. But so that is your go-to, and do you I show this to anyone? Have you showed this to your wife? Has your wife seen it? Yeah, yeah. And okay, so she's al- she was already a fan of it before you showed it. No, she no she had, I don't think she'd seen it before. She didn't grow up with the Muppets as much. I think my parents liked the Muppets, so I ended up seeing most of the Muppet movies. Uh, this is news to me. I did not know you were a Muppets fan. Yeah, no, I, I love the Muppets. I think the original seventies oh. uh, Muppet movie and show is a. Uh, uh, I was about to use the word transgressive, and that would have been a stretch. But uh, <laughs> there there were some genuinely yeah. groundbreaking or influential. Uh, parts of the comedy and variety shows that went on and i I think the movie's a triumph it's very charming okay yeah i saw Uh, i saw the uh muppets movie recently the jason siegel one oh um that one's okay yeah i thought it was charming like the songs were written by uh brett mckenzie of flight of the concords so I, i very much enjoyed that part of it just like listening to the parts is like well that very much seems like a line he would have written i actually like the sequel to that with um uh, what's his face? Uh, Ricky Gervais. Yes, more. Yeah, I, um, I didn't see that one yet, but it's got worse reviews. But to me, that was truer to like the wacky, zany spirit of like the original Muppet films. But yeah. but anyway, yeah, Muppet Christmas Carol. That's that's probably my pick. My that and, and, that and Scrooged. Scrooge. Ah, the Bill Murray classic. Interesting. Yeah, my my go to Christmas movie, or my family's really is Scrooge, not to be confused with Scrooged. Which is a uh, 70s musical, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, with Albert Finney as Scrooge. Um, and it's got really great songs. I don't know. It's hard for me to say, though, because like, I've been listening to these songs so long. I, I don't know if they're good or if I, they're just in <laughs> yeah. like deep grooves in my brain. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that, that movie's definitely my Not number sure. one Christmas one. Yeah, okay. I don't know if, Cade, you, I know you follow me on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I had actually made a uh, challenge, not a challenge. Uh, I didn't make like you know a uh, an image graphic with a list of films or anything like people do. Uh, <laughs> but was trying to watch as many Christmas Carol adaptations this year mm. as I could. Oh, and how many did you get to? Maybe eight. What's the best? Uh, okay. Other than the Muppets. Yeah, the Muppets was definitely up there, um, and I'd seen quite a few of them. There's a Patrick Stewart one from 1999. Um, which is that most, seems which is mostly late. good, but he's, I, it's almost too like oh it's Patrick Stewart as Scrooge and not just like he is the character yeah in the way yeah. that I think like the uh, the George uh, C Scott one. Uh, where did that uh, where did that Beowulf one stack up? So that's that's why I started it because uh, one of the other podcasts I listened to has been going through uh, the films of Robert Zemeckis. And you so listen to more than our podcast? I do. I, I have to confess. There are other podcasts? podcasts. <laughs> just two. It's just you guys and that one. I thought we invented okay. it. The term. Yeah. They must have uh-huh. piggybacked off of your success. Oh. Well, we'll have to Because it, it's pod to because it's like two peas in a pod, me and Cade making the podcast. Yeah. And, <laughs> and we were casting we love... our opinions onto the internet. Sure. I was going to say we love fishing, but whatever. Always <laughs> <laughs> trying to tell people the truth. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the uh, that one is so amazingly bad. 
Um, <laughs> but in interesting ways. Like, it looks worse than Polar Express, despite being Oof, two yeah. motion capture technology films afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim Carrey gives, like, one of his worst performances, where he's, like, so subdued and trying to be serious. And, like, the best parts of it are when he's acting like crazy Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, it's very literal to the original Dickens story. It's probably one of the most literal adaptations of the original text that I've seen, and that's kind of what got me on to, like, I wonder, you know, compared to, like, the other ones that I can remember off the top of my head, how accurate are the others? Uh, and so, yeah, there was, there was Scrooge, uh, from, you know, 1970, which I hadn't seen before, but I, I quite enjoyed. Um, there yeah, that has a lot of movies. lines from the book directly. Because my, my yeah. family has the book, and, like, we've looked up certain, like, what's, how's this different than this or whatever? But a lot of it makes gotcha. it in. Yeah. Um, and it, you can kind of imagine also how dry the Robert Zemeckis one is with Jim Carrey because of how literal it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, yeah, it's it's just kind of suffers for it. That's, that's one of the reasons I like Scrooge so much, because so few people have actually tried to set it anywhere other than Victorian England. Mm-hmm. It's kind of which is interesting because so many things have been adapted over time, especially things you don't have to buy the the rights for. Mm-hmm. In like, oh, it's you know Shakespeare, but it's set in World War Two, or it's lions, um, <laughs> and it's it's amazing that there's been so few adaptations of A Christmas Carol that aren't set in Victorian England. But right. yeah, I need to watch Scrooged because I like you know Christmas Carol adaptations and Bill Murray. I mean, yeah, it's 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 got some some highs and lows, but as a whole, I like it. What about the Bill Murray Christmas special on Netflix? Where does that stack up? <laughs> it was okay. With the I band had, Phoenix. I had, yeah, I had, I had high hopes for it. I still listen to the Phoenix song probably once or twice a year at Christmas time, but uh, it, it hasn't become like a yearly staple or anything. You listen to it once or twice a year specifically at Christmas time? Well, it's a Christmas song, so yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it never comes up on your Phoenix shuffle for the rest of the year? No, it, it does not. <laughs> Interesting. Uh... So, I, I feel really perverse listening to anything Christmas related other than the time designated by our society to do so. <laughs> people have like these Christmas in July things and it's like if I have a Christmas song come up on shuffle in any summer month especially, <laughs> it's just like this feels wrong. I have to go take a shower. Yeah, there's a place to challenge norms and it's not in Christmas music in other months. Uh, agreed. <laughs> I I mean if I'm listening because the Killers do like one every year they yeah. did I don't know if they still do and whenever I shuffle the Killers which is you know more frequently than just December uh, one of those songs might come on and I probably won't skip it I'll Interesting. just be like I mean it's like watching Iron Man three when it came out in May it's a Christmas that, movie that is a a great uh, segue back into Iron Man three <laughs> that's but, what I was trying to do baby but, but B uh, I think one of the reasons why it resonated maybe best with me this time is actually watching it at Christmas time. Whereas I don't remember what month it was when Jordan watched it for the podcast. And I watched it as well, but I, I'm, I'm fairly certain it was the opposite time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, when it came out in May and it's, it's one of those where it was never planned to come out in December, which is what I'd assumed at first when I first saw it, you know, I knew Shane Black like setting his movies at Christmas, but some of those actually had come out closer to Christmas. Um, so there's there's this weird cognitive dissonance of like you know well I I know Christmas I know what that feels like I know what it looks like but it's May and I just I don't feel Christmassy and so it's different where it's like oh yeah like it's this time of year you've been out and about you know what it's like to be going about your business and there's kind of like this general sense of like we're all going through this shared weird collective thing our society does yeah 
I I mean, I guess movies are just a good way to kind of teleport yourself away for two hours in whatever setting that they have them in. Yeah, and it certainly didn't fail watching it in May. I wasn't like, Christmas, what's this bullshit? <laughs> well, I'm leaving. Yeah. Um, but, but, I, yeah. but it, yeah, it kind of it resonated at its best with me watching it when it's actually three days till Christmas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, I think that is a good take. I don't know if I've ever watched it during the month of December. It's mostly just been... Give it a try uh, sometime. I mean, it will eventually, my Marvel cycle will eventually land on that day, but uh, until then... You can't control when your circles. Marvel cycle will land with the lunar calendar cycle. It, it One day, it will all sync the up. The forces Once, are beyond one day, control. One day, you there gotta, will be you gotta 300... Plug Sorry. it into, like, a computer calendar application that'll show you, like, like the Mayan long calendar, and you can tell, like, in a thousand years, where will your MCU cycle be? <laughs> well, one day there's going to be enough content for a piece of content every day of the week, every day of the year. So I'm going to be 365. When I'm 80, I'm going to do the Marvel Challenge. Just that's every year, three, that'll just be true. your life will just run out looping this. Yeah. <laughs> well, God willing, they stop when they have 365 pieces of content exactly. They won't. If if anyone, if people <laughs> are paying them money, there's no way they're stopping. I mean, I don't think they'll stop anytime soon. Oh, speaking of uh. uh Marvel. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I saw someone, a whole bunch of people were um, speculating who would be cast as Doctor Doom, seeing as he's going to be one of the formidable, the big, big bads in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and someone was saying Gus from Breaking Bad, and also from The Mandalorian. What do we think is as uh, him as Doctor Doom? I don't know what that character is, but I like that actor. So that's my thoughts. Now I'll give it to people who might know more. <laughs> yeah, to me, Doc- Doctor Doom kind of works better when the, I mean, because, well, the Fantastic Four and the various incarnations, like, you know, there's a version where they're all, let's say, in their, like, their mid-30s, including Doctor Doom, and then there's versions where, you know, Reed Richards is, like, much older, and, and Doctor Doom's kind of just vaguely, like, an adult. Um, I guess my, my only thing with, um, I want to call him Gustavo Fring. Uh, sure. Because his, his name escapes me. Uh, I mean, he's a better Gus Fring than he is at being himself in real life probably i mean i've seen him other things as well um and he is he's a great actor yeah yeah Uh, i saw him recently in um the movie unpregnant it was like a hbo movie about a girl getting an abortion and he was in that and he was good he was weird it was kind of a small role but it was very different than Uh gus fring (laughs) he usually only plays bad guys was he a bad guy in this no he was a strange man but he was a nice man (laughs) Strange, okay. nice man who's not a bad guy. No. Uh, kind of sketchy, but nice. <laughs> I guess before you know that he's Gus Fring, he's a strange, nice man. And then you find out. Well, you but watch he's not him, serious like, like the guys that. throw with a box cutter. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when you're when you're meeting him in season two, he's just like running a restaurant and he's like, can I take your plate from you? Just like kind of quirky, weird. Now back to whatever it was before I interrupted. Giancarlo Esposito. That's it. Yeah. Um, or Gustavo yeah, I, don't, I don't know how how I'd feel about him as Doctor Doom. I could see that being good, but also Doctor Doom is such a performance that's like Darth Vader, where I associate yeah. with being like played through a mask. And I, most oh. of most of Esposito's best work, it's like it's his facial expressiveness. He certainly gives yeah. like, sure like a good line reading, but yeah, I'd, I'd be interested. Is, if am I remembering this incorrectly, a Doctor or Darth Vader was loosely based off Doctor Doom. Is that true? I don't believe so. Okay. Maybe um, I, I believe uh, he was based I... off of a Flash Gordon villain 
from from those comics and serials of like the 30s and 40s because um, that's, gotcha. that's primarily where Lucas was drawing from. Um, I thought for some reason Lucas mentioned Doctor Doom. Certainly, but I just design wise, it was drawn from samurai armor. I know that was, I believe, what Ralph McQuarrie, the concept artist, was drawing from. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, refer, uh, back to Iron Man three. Anyway, uh, in regards to trilogy's ending, I wanted to point out that Thor Ragnarok, I think, has a very strong trilogy ending, even though the movie is completely different from the first two. The whole reason he is trying to be uh that's true king you're right whatever. yeah it does have he's, that. he's trying to find his place as the king and then asgard blows up he's like oh i can't be a king and then everyone's like asgard is a people not a place and i thought that was a very fitting end to his trilogy yeah even though five minutes later thanos ship shows up well and the other weird thing is that the you know that another thor movie is coming out which makes it feel a little bit yes. but yeah i guess it was the di- the his principal arc was whether or not he was worthy to be king of Asgard and his yeah. struggle with his father to find that end. And then he did it. Yeah. Mission accomplished. Yeah, and it makes sense, I guess, that plot point one of that movie is that his father dies, basically. Thus removing yeah. his obstacle from the throne and basically giving him one last gauntlet to go through, which is his sister, Sans Hammer. <laughs> Uh, I mean, compared to uh, Captain America Civil War, which basically he's he has the hardest arc to end just because uh, he had so many people in his final movie that they had to pay attention to a lot of them. But his ends with him showing up to the sea uh, prison where all of the Avengers who broke protocol are staying and he frees all of them, which is pretty fitting. But that's not an ending. Uh, yeah, does it wrap like, up what, a Captain America his, arc? Yeah, what was his... Not. What would you say is his arc through his movies? Like, I don't even know what I'd... It's, it's kind of like I'm a good soldier, rah-rah America, and then turning yeah. into, like, questioning, hmm, have we been doing questionable bad things in the second movie with, like, Hydra being S.H.I.E.L.D., but also S.H.I.E.L.D. doing some questionable, like, you know... Yeah, I guess uh, it's his relationship with the authority that controls... Like, him being a good soldier and dealing with the authority that points where he aims his aggression or whatever. Yeah. And then he kind of forms his own moral compass. And then right after that goes into infinity war, which I think is fitting. Cause he's kind of just doing his own thing and playing. By yeah. I, I guess the, then civil war is the culmination of him just totally rejecting, uh, yeah. Government oversight. Kind of. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's basically just going through his like, you know, NWA fuck the police phase. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Coming straight now from the, there's a crossover. Um, uh, Alex, did you have any? I saw you. You said you took notes about Iron Man three. Were there any specific uh, topics you wanted to hit before I ask more Christmas questions? I've got a lot, but I can I can kind of skim through. No, some I mean, of hey, we're here to talk about Iron Man three. Whether it takes seventy five minutes or four <laughs> hours. Okay, uh, so be it. Uh, so one of the interesting things uh, that I'd seen, and I remember talked about at the time, in you know various. Uh, by that point, you know any any Marvel filming developments were pretty widely reported on already you know nowadays it's like uh i don't know um trying to think of an example chris pratt you know sneezes and it's like oh like what is this how is this going to impact the mcu (laughs) um but even even back then like you know people did a lot of speculating i I think i think that that kind of grew in the lead up to avengers and then afterwards became its own industry almost 
But yeah. uh, Robert Downey Jr. actually had an injury on set and sprained his ankle. Um, and it was while they were filming a lot of the action scenes. Um, and so there's a pretty large part of the movie where he actually has a body double and it's been CGI'd onto the body double and you do not notice it. I tried looking for it while watching it today. I could not figure it out. Um, there's obviously a lot of scenes where he's like in the armor and this, they they do it pretty well because there's some later movies, uh, most glaringly in Infinity War when Ruffalo is in the Hulkbuster where I think the production was a little rushed and just the the, the composite of real actor's face mm-hmm. on CGI body kind of floats a little. It just doesn't, or it's like the, sh- the lighting, something's not quite there. But Are I, you talking I, about when the mask comes off? Yeah, when like, you see when you uh, see Mark Ruffalo's face in the Hulkbuster armor. Um, gotcha. Oh, but and in this one, yeah, like anytime like he's in the suit, and it's pretty much a full CGI suit most of the film, but yeah, his, his mask comes off, and most of the time it looks great. There's a couple shots where you kind of notice it. But I couldn't tell anywhere where, you know, some of these scenes include um, when he's running around without his suit, uh, like in Miami when he's at the uh, the hideout, um, and I think it's mostly scenes like especially like from behind. But there's some where it's apparently a fully CG face on the stunt doubles or not stunt double but body doubles body, um, and it's pretty seamless. You just don't notice it. So I thought that was impressive. Yeah, um, I mean Disney's got a lot of money. This was also, <laughs> yeah. but they do botch the it sometimes fine. CGI wise. Not often, but never. It's, but it's. it's no, I see. I was gonna say if this if this had actually come out a couple years later, uh, that flashback in 1999 where I love the uh, I'm blue, da 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 da. But I, I think if that scene had been done in a Marvel movie today, they would have digitally de-aged uh, Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. and Guy Pierce and Rebecca yeah. Hall. Um, whereas you know they kind of just played it as like, well, he's you know he's acting more like Playboy Tony. Guy Pierce obviously is in ridiculous makeup to look like the most hideous uh, (laughs) scientist nerd imaginable. Um, And it worked. Well, I mean, yeah, because you hire someone like Guy Pierce, he can do a great glow up and be like, oh, he's actually one of the most handsome men on the planet. Yeah, it's hard to disguise that great jaw, though. Even that nerd is like, (laughs) wait a second. He just needed a haircut. Yeah. And some braces. And, and, yeah. and, and, you know, yeah, whatever. The shower. Uh, break, breakthrough technology fixed his legs. Well, I think they screwed up his teeth, too, in the CGI. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But I thought, huh. I thought like, it looked weird. Like, his, yeah, I don't know. He, yeah, he could have been wearing something, too. Yeah, um, that would probably be I just, I thought I thought that scene worked pretty well, and I just thought, like, if they made that today, it would have been, like, the, uh, the flashbacks in Ant-Man, where Michael Douglas... Yeah. Had to look young. Or Endgame with Tony. But Michael Douglas is significantly older in current day than he was supposed to be in that flashback. That's that's true, because the, the flashback in this one's 99, and it was only would have been from 2013, so like yes. 14 years, whereas I guess Ant-Man, that's it was closer to 25. Yeah, I, I don't think that that was much of a stretch. This is also, because Disney bought Paramount pre-Avengers release, but... Paramount had already started production. They, they had to pay Paramount a lot of money in order to get the rights to distribute this one, yeah. So this is the last Paramount one, correct? I believe I know I believe it is Disney because they it basically says Paramount. bought the right does it? Okay, then yeah. The logo then, then at the beginning is Paramount. Paramount. And yeah, Disney I guess had to still pay them uh but yeah, I'm I'm pretty positive this is the last of those. Hmm. Yeah, okay. And then Disney just comes over in full swing. Takes over from here on out. Yeah. Um, when they de-aged Tony, oh, I was just going to say, in Endgame, I think that looked pretty bad. In Endgame? 
Yeah, because I get. You mean yeah, civil, isn't it an Endgame? And you mean Civil War with Barf? Oh, you're right, Civil War. Yeah. I thought that looked great. No, that's that that's, was actually that's the my go-to. To I like Michael really? Douglas, but I do not like him when he's like with that's, his parents as like. A, a oh kid. man! Like the, I loved that. I it, thought the hair looked weird, which is a weird thing to harp on. But it's almost like his hairline was an adult hairline. It was supposed to be a teen. But also, he wasn't holding himself like a teen. He was holding himself like yeah. Tony Stark. That's so in... I guess... I don't know if it's just my blind love for Marvel, but I thought <laughs> I was just... I was in amazement the entire time. Whereas Rogue One comes out like six months later, and I was like, that Princess Leia CGI looked like dog shit. Yeah. Her... I, I Which, will, Jordan, I think it's safe for us to spoil the Mandalorian. Yeah, go for it. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard... Uh, but in the last episode of season two, which kind of wraps up the main plot line, um, Luke Skywalker appears to save the day. Huh. Um, yeah. And they have, it was and they have dope. CGI de-aged him to be 1983 Return of the Jedi aged Mark Hamill. How'd that go? Um, very good. It, huh. Um, looked really good. For a, for a much lower budget than the films, it's clear they learned, they knew what they could get away with. Yeah. So you pretty much, he's wearing a hood most of the time. Like, he's only in it for maybe five minutes. Most you only of see him talk hood. for a little bit, and then yeah, he, when he moves his mouth, none of none of the lines where he like has a lot, or none of the scenes where he has a line to deliver, actually lets him get out a whole line without mm. cutting, like to his back or something. Yeah, and yeah. Like, you kind of noticed it, but I think it was smart because the biggest problem with Princess Leia or uh, Tarkin in Rogue One is just the longer they're talking, it's the lips. Yeah, the lips just don't. There's some, Tarkin there's in Rogue wrong. One cast a younger at like what are you doing yeah like, and they had that, they had a relatively look-alike body double and just stick with that like the audience why? gets it. We, we can play pretend we're watching a movie about space wizards it's okay yeah. <laughs> that takes me out of it so hard Agreed. like whenever i see tarkin and which is a shame because i think that movie's pretty fantastic overall but yeah cgi tarkin was so rough yeah um, however tony stark in in Civil War, I loved, and it was funny too because we were watch. Uh, me and my father watched The Irishman last Christmas oh. or last Thanksgiving, which there isn't really any de aging technology. It's uh, Robert De Niro wearing makeup and supposed to look sixty years younger than he is. <laughs> no, there's no, there's there's extensive CGI in that. I. I don't. I mean, it's a long movie, and almost, I almost the majority of of the the scenes where they're younger, there's there's CGI involved more so than prosthetics. I didn't even notice. I I just thought he didn't look much younger, and I assumed it was because there was no CGI. I think I think it was silly that they used CGI at all because it, we would have, as an audience, we would have bought it because the age. I mean, sure. you're just used to seeing him old. You can make him like really old versus a little less old. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, well, anyway, my dad was like, he did not enjoy the movie exclusively because of that facet, and mm. it kept going back through time, and he's like, this, I'm not, I'm not buying that he's a younger version, so, and I was like, hey, I know you hate Marvel, but check out this scene from Civil War, and then I showed him the barf sequence, and he's like, oh, yeah, that looks pretty interesting. Mm. Mm. Um, my father, being a fan of the young Robert Downey Jr.'s performance in Home for the Holidays, thanksgiving classic directed by jodie foster that's a good one um yeah uh so anyway referring back to christmas what's everyone's favorite christmas song uh other than the one jordan wrote earlier today oh holy night why got that fall on your knees part which is like pretty cool (laughs) i i I get it yeah no that's that's a good one like with a proper modern christmas song it's really cool 
It can be all I want for Christmas is you if you want it to be Jordan. <laughs> it is not. That is, I, if that I had to, the best, that's certainly the best selling. If I had to choose a contemporary song, like a more contemporary than uh, the other one, I would say, uh, ooh, maybe the Little Drummer Boy with mm. uh, David Bowie. Yeah, P- uh, Little Drummer Boy, Peace on Earth. Yeah, that's pretty great. It, but that actually wasn't what I was going to say when I started that sentence, but then I thought of it and changed <laughs> it. I was going to say the Christmas song by Nat King Cole. The yeah. chestnuts roasting on an open fire, just because I feel like that is such a, it encapsulates everything I feel about the holiday. Uh, Interesting. In a, like lyrically, I don't know. It just it's so yeah. cozy. It's not a very flashy song though. I don't know if I love it because it's a song or if I just love it because it feels like true Christmas center. <laughs> See, that's so for me. I I do have a soft spot for Coldplay's Christmas Lights from like 2010 or so. Okay. Um, right. And it, to me, it represents Christmas because the lyrics are pretty meaningless and don't <laughs> really say much important or even make that much coherent sense. But it just feels Christmassy, yeah. and that's how I mean. Chris, Christmas is such a, a semantic mess yeah. in meaning so many different things for so many different people, but we all kind of come together and somehow pretend we're all talking about the same feelings. Uh-huh. Uh, that, Our love for Jesus Christ. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I've never experienced uh, chestnuts roasting on an open fire, but when I hear that line, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Christmas. <laughs> yeah, despite having never actively engaged in that tradition in my living lifetime, yeah. that's it rings like Christmas for me. Yeah, no, Chris, Christmas is kind of all about a nostalgia for a time that never, you never really experienced or whatever, but the, the fact that we all engage in the fiction of pretending that it did is kind of, <laughs> that's what Christmas is to me. <laughs> yeah, that's... that's uh, I, I think the the thing about nostalgia that you never actually lived for, uh, I mean, obviously, as Jordan and I, I think Kate also know, I have a huge soft spot for the musical genre vaporwave. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that's basically what it's all about, is like these weird, vaguely nostalgic feelings for a time you either were, like, weren't alive for or barely remember, or like the stuff you grew up with that like, you know, when you're at the age your parents were when they had you. Is kind of just what you were surrounded with, and I feel like a lot of our Christmas traditions kind of start the same way. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a lot of deep talk about Christmas. So what, can I guess what yours which, is, Kate? Which is good. I would love it if you guess. Is it the? Because I actually am trying to think. Fairy tale in New York. I do. Ooh, I do love fairy tale in New York. Jordan's face lit up. I think he also loves it. Yeah, I was also stretching, but it's a good song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also, I mean, if I had to pick. And this is just an outrageous answer, but uh, My Chemical Romance does a cover of All I Want for Christmas Is, is You, and it's fucking fantastic. I, I do enjoy uh, that one. Is that my favorite? Would I say that's a better song than Fairy Tale in New York? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I probably enjoy it more, but Fairy Tale in New York is, I think, a much better written song. Uh, I don't know. I My background has been working in movie theaters for nearly eight years and almost in all of them we've had to play christmas music during the month of december and it's kind of driven me to loathe the the genre of christmas music Mm -hmm. i have heard that from especially i know friends that have worked in retail or anything oh yeah a set playlist on repeat i don't think it's it's all the same there's no other time that has such a narrow set of acceptable songs to play Ooh, i just (sighs) thought of another christmas song that i really like though uh, I, Simply having a wonderful Christmas time by Paul McCartney. That's okay. No, I believe in Father Christmas by 
Can't remember, mm, but it's yeah. it's one of the guys from Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. I don't know which of the which three I, it is. Which I had never heard, but Jordan, I remember you playing it when we lived yeah. together. Yeah, and it's uh, very sub- grown up with that. subversive for a Christmas song. Like, because uh, basically the end is like, I believed in Christmas. Like, I believed in God. <laughs> like, that's kind of the last <laughs> message of it. But it was all kind of a lie. So that's a fun Christmas mm. one. <laughs> um, would you also like to guess my favorite Christmas movie aside from Iron Man 3? Hmm. I could see it being Die Hard. I, yes. I, if, but that is controversial whether or not that's a Christmas movie, even though I thoroughly believe that it is. See, that's, I, I, I will say, I'll get on my, uh, I'll get a little soapbox here. It's not a large one, but it's, it's enough to pull out a soapbox. Get on your tiny soapbox. (laughs) Yeah, my tiny soapbox that there's, there's a lot of discussion every year of is X secretly a Christmas film, uh, and it's probably the cynic in me where I'm just like, who who cares who says it's a Christmas film? If you want to watch it at Christmas, go for it. For for some people, Lord of the Rings is a Christmas film because they all came out near Christmas like, time. At Christmas, yeah. And people yeah. people like marathoning certain movie series. I used to watch Star Wars the most at Christmas time. Uh, you know, they have a Christmas special. I, I I think the idea that it has to have Christmas in it isn't necessarily always true and i think the the fact that die hard is set at christmas kind of just got that all started but certainly all of those shane black movies are also would fit into the same category yes um, and i would consider iron man 3 a christmas movie as we have thoroughly discussed on yeah. this podcast uh so, so, so removed <laughs> well that was that was more of an optimistic like i, I believe everyone should kind of be themselves oh but oh, well, I, I should have said the second part was also stop arguing about it online because i don't care well that's fair uh because i think you can believe whatever you want so it is optimistic you're right (laughs) gabe what's yours i i i mean die hard is great iron man 3 those are my two but if people don't think those are christmas movie i really love uh elf however elf is just like the one movie i don't know how and well actually i do know how it's just because everyone played that alex knows because we went to the same middle school together that was like the christmas movie every year that the teacher would turn on and it was just constant like because it was enjoyable all people every age it was funny enough that you didn't resent it as a middle schooler yeah oh and the adults loved it like it's a fantastic movie i think that still is arguably my favorite like christmas specifically made as a christmas movie uh but that has been slightly ruined by the people brought up around it uh i think my favorite, like, if I had to choose a movie to watch every Christmas, it wouldn't be Elf because I've seen it so many times. It would probably be Four Christmases with Vince Vaughn, huh. which I think is an underrated Christmas movie. I, I have not seen yeah, it. Yeah, neither so have I. Speak to its merits, but... Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon, and they both have divorced parents, and they have to go to... And each parent is a celebrity, obviously. Mm-hmm. And they have to go to all four houses in one day. Hmm. And John Favreau plays Vince Vaughn's brother that's the connection to the mcu um and it's it's fantastic but i also love vince vaughn so i can give you the worst uh, christmas movie uh let's hear it it uh, sounds like it was that beowulf christmas carol it was not actually i would rather watch that two times again than watch <laughs> christmas with the cranks once ever again Ooh, yeah i don't that know if i ever watched so that. rough i've seen it multiple times somehow 
<laughs> I don't know why. I think I saw it when I was young enough that I thought there were parts that were really funny, and then later on, it's just like that whole souring of anything Tim Allen does from just like... Yeah, I was about to say, it's crazy that you hate the movie because you're such a big Tim Allen fan. <laughs> yeah, I can't get enough of the Tool Man. <laughs> the Tim the Tool Man Taylor. Uh, what, do, what do we think about him being replaced as Buzz Lightyear? Oh. I think I think that's Tim Allen Erasure, and I won't stand for it. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag um, not mine, Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> Let's get this trending. Let's get this <laughs> oh, hashtag Just trending please, from the Iron Man. Please delete this podcast so I am not the origin of hashtag not my Buzz Lightyear. Oh, there's no way you're the first person I, to come I, up I with that. I think they're absolutely doing it so that they don't have to rely on Tim Allen. Um, but I, I think the idea that we needed a uh, Chris Evans voiced. Buzz Lightyear prequel that, to quote Chris Evans, uh, is not based on Buzz Lightyear the toy, but the real Buzz Lightyear who inspired the toy. So, oh wait, well, can I, I say something about Christmas think, movies before we get away from that? Please do. That's what I also, we're here for. Uh, really like a Christmas story. Okay, keep going. <laughs> oh yeah, it's so good, good. Like I watch You'll that every year, out. and I love it start to finish. And it's also one of those movies where it doesn't matter where you come into it, because. Like, yeah, one, it's you, one that they, they loop, but even if it's, like, it's a movie that really lends itself to that kind of looping viewing. It is just kind of a whole yeah. bunch of vignettes of living in that yeah, time. that's wonderful. Like, it's not one overall plot. Uh, did I tell you, during our Midwest road trip uh, last summer, mm. um, me and my friends went to the Christmas Story House? Oh, that's Wow. Funny. Where it was filmed? I have a whole bunch of pictures I can send you. Obviously, it won't do much on this audio <laughs> medium. Um but we did, they have a whole house next to the actual house, and you have to pay $20 for the tour. And we actually, we were in Cleveland just because it was on our way um, to Iowa, where we were going to the Iowa State Fair, the destination of the trip. Um, and we were just like, what is there to do in Cleveland? And the hotel guide was like, oh, you got to go see the Christmas Story house, other than the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which we were seeing later that night. Um and she's like, yeah, this and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are the two things to do in Cleveland. <laughs> I was like, all right. So we went there. It was a Tuesday at morning, and it was the summer, and the line for this thing was so goddamn long. Uh, so 20 minutes to go through the entire house. Then they have an entire house that is a gift shop that sells memorabilia specifically from the movie. So they got the Fragile lamp. They got Red Rider BB guns. You got the Ovaltine Dakota ring? Yeah. Oh, Boy, do they! They have ov- they have like a whole tower of Ovaltine, like it's set up in a grocery store. Um, I took a whole bunch of pictures. I'll definitely send them your way because uh, it's pretty interesting. Just also, it was a fun way to kill an afternoon, like in Cleveland. It also does not like if you're in driving around the surrounding area. It does not seem like the house would be there. Huh. Like some parts of the area are just uh, not really Christmas story. <laughs> um, but. Moving back to uh, Christmas uh-huh. and Iron Man three, um, what are I, I? So since this is an annual episode and we want to have a new guest on every year, although, and may, hey, this is the first one, so maybe we get a new guest and the same one that we had the previous year. Who's to say <laughs> where this tradition goes? Uh, I would like to redo this. Uh, we talk about Iron Man three. We ask these Christmas questions and then I would like to end with a segment of Christmas trivia that I have <laughs> okay. prepared where Jordan plays the guest in which case that's you Alex are you both ready to play a little sim- a Christmas trivia absolutely I plan to kick I would, ass 
<laughs> uh, so how? What do you say? Do you want to do best three out of five? Uh, how do you want to do this? I've prepared a decent amount of questions. We don't have to go. Yeah, through three all. out of five sounds good. I, I agree. All right. First person to get three right wins the Christmas challenge. Do you want to? Do we buzz in or? Uh... or do we alternate? Uh, why don't we alternate? That's going to be easier okay. since yeah. there's a digital lag. Perfect. Um. What is the title of the Christmas-themed premiere episode of The Simpsons? Who's this? Alex, okay. since you're a guest, you get to go first. Oh. No Googling. I am watching your hands. That's, that's a shame because uh, I was going to let Jordan answer this one first, you know, out of, out of diligence to him being one of the co-hosts <laughs> and all. Well, since you're well, the guest, I'll let you pick who goes first. I, I could first. say I I, we should be able to pass, and if the other one knows it, they get to... Yeah, oh, no, yeah, definitely. Yeah, That's I'll, what I'll Alex is missing his I, I know the answer to this one. Deep down, somewhere, <laughs> I am going to really, really hurt inside when I hear the right answer, because <laughs> I should be able to get it. Um, I think I've watched season one of The Simpsons twice, just in quarantine, um, early on. Uh... Are you stalling to try to think of it? <laughs> Absolutely not. Jordan. You cannot be that looking it up. Outrageous claim, and in fact, I don't I'm see his hands. Talk even longer about <laughs> what an injustice it is that you'd accuse hey. me of such an act. Put your hand on your head, sir. Uh, Let's see those hands no, on your head. No, no, no. Uh, if I was googling, I'd just tell you the answer. Um, I, I you were thinking I, with both of your hands <laughs> on your keyboard. Is that how you think? Why don't you share your screen? This is sus. I could. I'm, I'm going to pass to Jordan. I know that they get Santa's Little Helper, but I cannot remember the name. Mm. Yeah, I was just going to guess it was Santa's Little Helper. I really had no idea. I've only seen this episode once. It is Simpsons roasting on an open fire. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't yep. have known that. <laughs> I've, I've seen it multiple times. <laughs> Alas. So a lot of these questions I just pulled from. Fire. Okay, go. Uh, a lot of these questions I just pulled from, I googled Christmas trivia, and though I spiced in a few of my own, obviously, uh, a lot of them are completely random because I didn't want to make them completely Cade Christmas centric. All right, so now you're going to hit me, uh, and if I can't get it, it passes to Alex, and then you start with, okay. Correct. So far, it's zero. Yeah, First to eggs. three wins. Which popular Christmas beverage is also called Milk Punch? Surely it's eggnog. It is eggnog. That seemed like an easy That's, one. That, I'll I take it. That was also the answer. <laughs> I've never heard of milk punch. That's why I thought it was so obscure. I just, what I else could it be? I, I think the fact that it's phrased as what Christmas beverage, and I can only think of one of those. Yeah. Mm, that or the Maybe shamrock shake the... from McDonald's? <laughs> Wait, yeah. no, that's... That's, that's St. Patrick's, Patrick's Day, though. It's just minty. <laughs> Something about the minty is what you think of Christmas. That's, that's fair. I don't, I don't know why it is the flavor that it is for St. Patrick's Day, but... Shamrocks. Duh. I guess it's green, mint green. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, how many ghosts show up in A Christmas Carol? I'm afraid you're going to have the wrong answer, but the answer is four. Oh. It is, in fact, four. Because you got Jacob Marley's that, ghost. I know. Before, Ooh, uh, I might have jumped the gun there. present and future. I know. I, that's why I put it. I should have known Alex watched eight versions <laughs> of this prior to this podcast. I, I, am, I am ready for any Charles Dickens Christmas Carol <laughs> trivia you throw my way. Damn. He was not the person to ask. That would have been a great deflect from George. Yeah, I would have <laughs> bursted out with three, like, instantly and felt like, duh. And then I would have been... <laughs> Squashed like a bug. In, invented the uh, the image we have of ghosts with chains. Hmm. 
It's true. Ghost Rider. <laughs> Wouldn't happen without <laughs> Charles Dickens. That is true. Uh, uh, the score is one to one. Yeah. Tense. Meaning this is Jordan's turn. Uh, what color is Elvis's Christmas? Huh. That's an interesting question. The <laughs> I I there's a co- I know, there's a color there I want to like jump to, but that seems like an error <laughs> because that would be too obvious. So maybe. <laughs> uh. So you're gonna stall some more? I'm just thinking of a color that Christmas could be, that is not the color that Bing Crosby would say it was. <laughs> Are you trying to get a reaction from me with your <laughs> fake answering? <laughs> By tiptoeing around the actual no, no, answer? No, no, I'm doing it like, I don't know. Green. Is that your I final feel like answer? it should be white, obviously, but surely that's not <laughs> how that question would be white? phrased if it was going to be a white Christmas thing. I'll let Jordan guess again. How, did he guess? I didn't oh, I hear said final green. answer. I, I'm going to pass. Green final sure. answer? It is not green. Alex. It's blue. You will have a blue Christmas without you. I do not know that that song. Or if I do, (laughs) I don't. I I can't think of what it sounds like off the top of my head. I might recognize it if I heard it. Uh, It it is also a cover by The Pretenders. Okay, sing it real quick. There's a a lot of covers. I'll have a blue Christmas without you. I'll be just blue Hmm. thinking about you. And that's exactly what it sounds Are like. Any bells? That's, I yeah. would say that's well, I mean, a little off key, but you know, does I it have like background yeah, vocals that's... who are like echoing his line? Uh, uh, kind of. They're going like, so. oh, oh, oh. Mm. yeah, just like that. Yeah. Alex, we should do this together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if the Pretenders got one, <laughs> no reason y'all can't. Um. So, that's all right. So Alex is up two and to one. And it's his I turn, so he can take the game here. And it's his turn. Nice. He could take. He could, in fact, take the game. Um, in the classic Christmas movie, "How the Grinch Stole Christmas," the Grinch was described with three words. What are they? If you this is in the weeds, so I would be very impressed if you got this one. Not saying it's impossible. Stink, stank, stunk. It is, in fact, Stink, Stank, Stunk. Wow. That's wow. a good one to win it the, on. Because I wouldn't have gotten yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> the Christmas King himself. He has won Christmas trivia and Marvel trivia. And perhaps uh, we should give him a No It Dozzy Award just because those awards are so scarce yeah. this year. Damn, I didn't know you even had an award system. <laughs> well, oh, yes, we have. Uh, we had. Well, last year was the first annual Marvel Sucks versus No It Dozzy Award. And then awards. this year was an unfortunate we... second year to have. Marvel Awards <laughs> the with no Marvel yeah. movies. Award for all of the Marvel content that came out this year. Uh, so by January 15th, or I guess that's WandaVision, but around that time is when we released the first one. So we will have to uh, think of a plan to somehow do an award show for Marvel when there's been no content. <laughs> well, and Wanda, will WandaVision be out by then? WandaVision will be out in January. But they the doing, first time we do. They're d- probably doing one episode at a time like The Mandalorian, right? They are. And if so, if one if Wandavision we counted if we counted it WandaVision, could sweep, uh, it, it would literally it would be the only thing it would have to sweep. Yeah. But I mean, uh, we last year we did it all. Twenty nineteen content was went okay. up against all twenty nineteen. Gotcha. So 
that's what we were contemplating doing. Uh, but you know, hey, that's the viewers like or the the listeners are gonna hear this and then they'll see the next episode is the No It Doesies or one of the next episodes and they'll be like, ah, oh, they must have figured it out. I'm gonna figure out how and then <laughs> click on that episode. Um, so, does anyone have any other Christmas topics before we close out on Iron Man 3? Um, no. Oh, while we do best gift, what's the best gift, gift you ever Ooh, got? Ooh, I got a drum set for Christmas when I was in sixth grade, and that was an awesome gift. Nice. Just went ham on it. Still play it? Uh, not really. I mean, I still have some symbols <laughs> from it. Well, no. This, my parents might still have the drum set somewhere. I don't know. I'd be surprised, though. My mom likes to give stuff away. <laughs> oh, very charitable woman that yeah. Kathy uh, Alex what about you um, best Christmas gift probably I mean I don't know when you're, when you're younger you get so much more excited about stuff so probably like a Lego set I got one year probably Star Wars Lego I actually I, any I, specific set I do remember there was a year that I got uh, one of the pricier ones I don't remember if it was like a Star Destroyer or something but we were uh, back in school after Christmas um, it must have been eighth grade because it was Miss Raiden's class, uh, and she was uh, asking like, "Oh, like what? What was our favorite gift?" Uh, and f- for me, there's a difference between like I got a Lego set and like I got like, "Oh, I got one of the big guys," you know? Like that that didn't happen every day. That was probably the most expensive one I'd gotten, and so I think I called it like, "Oh, I got like a hundred dollar Lego set," um, like a, like a real like a real spoiled brat. Uh, and Cade. In, in his infinite wisdom, and was absolutely right for doing so, was the next person to go. And he said, well, I'll price my gift like Alex did. And then you said, like, a $32, whatever it was. And I just remember feeling like, wow, I really did just price my gift for the class. What a what a real heel I was. And uh, it really put not, me in my place. I do not remember that at all. That's, that's one of those classic, like, you'll be falling asleep, and you're like, your brain's like, what's some dumb shit I said? <laughs> 20 years ago to keep me awake and that one comes Uh, up uh, now and then i have more than enough of those (laughs) to keep me awake for years uh that i I wonder what i got i don't even remember what i got i don't i don't remember what you said either it was it was just that that cutting remark and i think it got it got a pretty good laugh i can't i mean 32 dollars it also seems very extensive for my parents budget (laughs) (laughs) my uh ma every year i would ask my mom uh, like just casually and as a kid and you know they i this is also just spoiled american boy kind of deal because they pretty much got me anything i wanted <laughs> more or less i didn't want like any i never sought out anything extravagant except for my favorite christmas was ninth grade i got a ps3 and rock band special edition all in the same christmas which uh they did not pay for all of it but still that was the most influ- yeah, I mean, no, that's hard I to beat for you. Publishing, yeah. I am publishing a book about rock band uh, that I don't know if I brought up on this podcast. And the first chapter is literally that Christmas morning where I unlocked uh, unwrapped rock band. So you yours has also uh, changed so, the course of your life. It really yeah, did. Yours is also kind of a so, drum set. <laughs> it, yeah, that's a little true. bit. Uh, but I would always, <laughs> I would ask my mom like, "What's the theme of this year's Christmas?" And she would say, "Budget Christmas." And she would like always be half joking, but half like, "Yeah, but we're not going to spend that much money on you." And I was like, "Oh, that was the theme last year," <laughs> and that was just kind of a tradition that carried on. Uh, and then they'd pretty much get me damn near everything I asked for. <laughs> yeah, that's my, my uh, parents would pull the same thing. We're just like, "Well, we got to cut yeah. back this year, you know. Got to, got to be." 
careful. You know, we don't need to be spending that much money. And then, you yep. know, Christmas morning comes, she's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm still a spoiled white kid. It's all okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got a drum yeah. set, so I can't. I was definitely also <laughs> spoiled. <laughs> oh, look at us. And, and look, and look at us now. Now boys. we have a platform, these, us, you know, three spoiled white men to share our ideas. Finally. Hey. <laughs> Very popular, too, I might add. Just, I mean, what other place would you rather hear? Me and Jordan, first of all, we were the first podcast, mm. as we mentioned. Yeah. I think Serial followed I'll, I'll us. I'll forward you the information of that other one I listened to, so you have some litigation. Yeah, we'll take them down. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We should, uh, we should definitely monopolize this whole podcast mm-hmm. thing. That's for damn sure. Um, but yeah, uh, that uh, any any other Christmas stories? Any fun Christmas themed uh, shenanigans? My uh, my dad liked doing uh, not quite pranks, but kind of like elaborate ruses to make it seem as though Santa had visited our house, uh, which of course he had. Um, sure. <laughs> so like one year, one year my dad uh, got a uh, one of his big like fire boots and uh, put it in the fireplace to get it like all sooty, and then uh, okay. made some foot tension coming detail. out. Um, but he only used one boot half. <laughs> I don't know if he realized like this is going to be a pain to clean or something. But so it was like it was like Santa had two left feet, and he walked he walked out of the fireplace. He just hopped a zigzag. And, yeah, and then across the foyer, which was all you know uncarpeted, and then suddenly the footprints stop leading into the living room with the presents because that floor was carpeted. Yeah. And I assume my dad you know knew that my mom would not be thrilled with that. <laughs> and what year did those stop for you? Um, or did they still go on? Well, I mean, I had a younger sister, you know, four years younger, so I feel like those those types of fun shenanigans continued a little longer than they would have otherwise. But, you know, yeah, I, by, you, by the time we were both out of grade school, did you tell her that uh, the secret about Santa? I did not. When I was a kid, I also I was younger than my sister, but I knew that Santa wasn't real first. Uh, <laughs> Dang. Well, because I knew in first grade, uh, I I asked How? my dad point blank, like I was just like. I don't understand oh how God. this could be. And so I asked him, and he's like, do you really want to know? And I was like, yeah, no, tell me. And he's like, yeah, no, Santa's not real. But you can't tell your sister. So I was like, mom's the word. <laughs> Dang, that's, was, that's hardcore. Who was four years older than you? No, she's two years older than me, but still. Oh, okay. I, I had to keep no, it a secret for like... two more years after that. <laughs> did she, did she when, when she found out, did you tell her that you'd already known? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you roped that in her face. I my sister was the one. I mean, we found out at the same time, but my sister was like, much like Jordan. She's like, Dad, I want to know. Like, Tooth Fairy real? Like, is Easter Bunny real? Like, are all these people? I was like, shut the hell up, because then we don't get all the free stuff that comes with these things. <laughs> I wanted Otherwise. to be kept in ig- ignorant yeah. bliss. That's what Very I wanted. pragmatic. Uh, and my and then my sister needed to know for whatever reason. Uh, and then my dad was like, well, I'm not telling one of you and not the other, so let's have this talk right now. Uh, and sure enough, he, uh, spoiled the beans, and I never got a dime from the Tooth Fairy after that. Yeah, the Tooth Fairy does go away if you find out about it, whereas yeah. Santa Claus doesn't so much. Or the Easter Bunny doesn't really yeah. either. I guess. I guess I didn't really get any eggs. We just got kind of Easter yeah. baskets. Yeah. Chocolate. But that's more for our Easter podcast. Easter Bunny's kind of think- a miser. You know, there's not a lot of Easter in movies. No. <laughs> Easter is very un- I mean, underrepresented in film. 
it's a very Catholic holiday, mm. I feel like. Yeah. You got, I mean, you got a handful right. of, uh, you know, you got Peter Rabbit. Uh, there's, there was a couple other, like, CGI where they, they tried to do that. Like, there was one, like, Hop. I don't know if you remember that one. Hmm. I never, I never saw it, but they Do you they think tried. there could be a Marvel movie? To, to actually like replicate the Easter holiday. The thing is, it's not as universal. It's it's that one's much more religion specific. Like a non-church going person doesn't celebrate Easter just because of their history growing up with Easter. Uh, Generally, it's not, yeah. it's not nearly as much of a secular holiday for sure. Fortunate because people were missed out on all those eggs. Yeah, I was. I do missed the eggs running around the yard for to find the eggs i thought that was always just so fun and i grew out of that fast just because my sister you know spoiled the beans that there was no easter yeah. money did she spoil that one too oh, it was all, all three, three my dad it. yeah my she wanted to know about all three and my dad was Dang. like yep you're gonna believe in all of them or none of them <laughs> so my, my parents just lied to my face <laughs> and then i found out at some you know later point and we never really addressed it <laughs> but they just assumed you knew I, yeah, it kind of got to a point where it was obvious, like, you know, you're kind of playing along. But, but technically, they still haven't told you they're not real. <laughs> that is true. Maybe they still believe. I don't know. I should check on that. It's really confusing how y'all get gifts, unless it's really just that your parents believe so much that Santa Claus really does come to your house. I mean, it, it happens. Just ask, uh, I don't know, there's, you know, proponents of, like, the power of belief. Jim Carrey's the one that always comes to mind. Yeah. Because he has that story about how in uh, the 80s he envisioned a uh, $10 million check and then eventually got one for one of his comedies, maybe Dumb and Dumber. He envisioned it? Like, like, he, he, like he, he pictured himself as, like, as strong as he could holding a check, and the check was written out to his name, and it said, like, for services rendered, um, and, you know, it was in the amount of $10 million, and that was, like, his... He, he truly believed, like, with that power of, like, you know, you just... If you envision it, it'll happen to you, and then, sure enough, 10 years later... Uh, it did, hmm. and then I think that was probably one of the worst things that could happen to him, because uh, if I, pretty much everything I've ever heard about him as a person, is just like he's so detached from reality, and kind of gets caught up in these. Uh, I mean, when you, you know, kind of will something into existence with your own thoughts, why be bound by reality? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wonder how many people though, have imagined themselves cat. getting a ten million dollar check and have gotten no such check. I wonder if that's perhaps more. More. <laughs> I'm still waiting more. on that. I actually haven't tried, so... Yeah, I, I honestly... I'm too much of a silly either. skeptic to really believe it. Podcast. Should we all just Yeah, let's, right let's end the podcast, podcast of us all just willing uh, $10 million checks, and we'll see. We'll check in next well, Christmas. Every year we'll envision <laughs> the $10 million check. This will be our new Christmas. This will be a new part of the tradition. Every guest we have on, we envision making $10 yeah. million. And sure enough, eventually we'll end. All right. Oh, I love that. Next year and he gets $10 million and I don't, I'm suing. <laughs> That's fair. You'll have to sue him. Uh, before we do that, uh, why don't we final thoughts on Iron Man three? <laughs> uh, I know we've done this on several different episodes, but how how great is that movie? First half's right? great. Second half's pretty awesome. All right. <laughs> I I, hey. I I enjoy the whole thing. I think the peak for me is actually when he's running around the uh, the bad guys hideout without the Iron Man suit, mm. and he's just having to be like clever oh. with his homemade stuff, and it's like yeah. it's almost like I did Tony like that. Stark, the hero, not Iron Man. Right. That was very yeah. Home Alone of him. Yeah. 
like a grown-up Kevin McCallum. And some of his uh, some of his weapons are even Christmas ornaments. So, yeah, that hey, fitting the theme. Uh, I love the movie. I think it gets better every time I watch it, and I think that the, my favorite sequence is probably all the suits blowing up. It, uh, like what the hell is Christmas? I don't know. I like that whole fight sequence at the end. I think it's great. Uh, all right. Well, I guess let's uh, let's. Just, how do we go about envisioning this ten million dollars? I think we're just kind of silent for a minute, and also we anyone listening, you're also supposed to participate along with us. And this yeah. five-second silence but just, where we will as hard as we can. But they are willing us to get the check. Like, because I feel like the mental energy. It's made out to the podcast. Taking our idea. <laughs> I hope you guys have a, uh, have a LLC made out for, you know, Marvel sucks ahead of time. Well, you know, I, I run most of the I, business in, so I guess technically it's, like, made out to me, but. <laughs> Jordan will share it, he promises. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I mean, I think you should make it out to cash, which stands for Cade always shares with him, and him is me. Share, <laughs> share. Oh God, there needs to be a J in cash. That would have been so much easier. Cade always shares. Uh, <laughs> so do we? I would also like to point out this entire time I've been wearing <laughs> Tony Stark replica glasses that Jordan got me for Christmas and I did not even, I forgot that they yep. were on I did not uh, realize that's what they are that's yes that was a fun Christmas gift that I uh, found on my stoop this morning they are I, I don't I can't tell if they're like the Edith sunglasses that Spider-Man gets or mm. they're just another one of his. Well, I saw. I, I, so I did research while buying these because there's the light blue lenses that Peter Parker has. But then in yes. the in the images that came up, there was one where they were tinted black. Uh, that were while okay. they, Robert Downey Jr. was wearing them in a film. But I, I was gotcha. just like, that's more practical. Like if I was gonna have sunglasses, I'd rather have those than light ones that yes. don't actually block out the sun. So I was like, it's, <laughs> well, it's a I combo do, I, this way. They're functional. I, I have uh, Matt Murdock sunglasses, which I've worn a lot uh, throughout my life, and they are tinted red, so I can't see green stoplights <laughs> in them. <laughs> Not good for traffic. <laughs> no. Well, it's only really bad when you get a red stoplight and a green left arrow. That's really when yeah, you're boned. <laughs> <laughs> you get a lot of people honking I, I will, you, but these I will say talking about uh, the glasses real quick uh, in, yeah. in Iron Man 3 I do think it's the last time I cared that much about the suits because I, I you know I was at the age for, for 1 and 2 and even 3 where it was just like that oh like you know the Mark Mark 1 versus the Mark 8 or 12 or you know he's up in the 40s and 50s um, there was just something cool about like the progression and, like, you know, how each one changes. And, like, oh, the arc reactor is a circle. Now it's a triangle. Joss Whedon turned it back into a circle because he said triangles don't mean anything. That's an actual quote. <laughs> um, and, Good old and then Joss. After, after this one, it's kind of like you kind of just got a little numb to, like, well, every movie he's got a different suit, but it's not an Iron Man standalone, so he doesn't talk about it much until, I think, in Infinity War when they're in the glasses. And that was kind of the, between Iron Man 3 it wasn't until then that I was like, that's kind of nifty. Like, that's a, a cool suit technology. And then after that, it's kind of like, but now they can appear out of nowhere all the time because mm -hmm. it's just nanoparticles. Right. It kind of broke it, but it was cool while breaking that uh, 
Yeah, it's a good final evolution for it. It just, it just, yeah, stops there. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's. I think we can all agree it's a good thing he's dead, so we don't have to beat <laughs> oh, that dead horse anymore. Thank you. I can't wait to rewatch. <laughs> I can't wait to rewatch that movie and cry in his own glasses. I think that's going to be very therapeutic. <laughs> that's what I can only imagine. That's why Jordan bought him for you. <laughs> he knows. Uh, well. I think that's gonna do it for us here at Marvel Sucks versus No It Doesn't at the annual Iron Man 3 Christmas special. Uh, Alex, thanks so much for being our pioneer guest on this tradition. Thanks for having me. Um, we hope to have you back for a later episode, uh, perhaps. Uh, we never did find out what you're looking forward to the most, whenever uh, Marvel-wise, so maybe we can have you back on whatever project that may be. Sure. That'll give me time to catch up on actually what's coming out in a you know, forget about all the Star Wars stuff I got hyped for instead. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, well, uh, why don't we go ahead and will this uh, ten million? Yeah, and I'll just in. do the outro uh, when I think it's been an appropriate amount of time. Okay, so should we do our sign off? No, no, no. I, we you, we're gonna have time? a moment of silence, and it'll be ended by our sign off. <laughs> okay. So it starts now. When? Like right now? <laughs> now. Should we each count to three? Now. Two, three, go, now. I've been Jordan Peoples and Marvel has sucked. I have been Cade Weiberg and no, it doesn't. All right, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did anyone get it immediately?